All right, welcome to the Wags and Fresh podcast. On this episode today, we had another quick conversation with our friend Chris. He was on um, episode two, if for those of you who uh, had an opportunity to catch that. We did an interview with him about uh, his writing, uh, specifically about Rome, his uh, time he spent there and so forth, and this was just another conversation with him. Uh, this was just about uh, sort of things that we value. Um, so enjoy. Talk soon. So there's this garden in Florida, and the thing of, that I like about it is that I really don't like being in Florida, and mm-hmm. and I really don't like being in Florida with someone else's environment that I have to live within. So somewhere around Boca, there's this garden that some Japanese family, I think some Japanese people were brought over to work as gardeners for a rich family and they set up this area for themselves but now the Japanese are gone and it's a private foundation that runs this garden and in this garden was a Japanese house and school and a, and a little Japanese plant different environments and the house I love because um the furniture was minimal, but also the idea of storage, how all of their things were out of sight unless they were being used. Mm-hmm. And this became my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is the kind of environment that I want to live in. And but, now I live in total opposite of that clutter environment. The clutter is um, stuff. It's just, you know, there's so much stuff, and the idea is to process it, but the processing just creates its own. Um, and here's, here's the compounded problem with getting stuff. So at some point, you buy stuff, and you go, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it right the second, or you buy maybe more than you need related to that stuff. So where does it go? It goes in your attic, goes in your garage, whatever. You don't need it again for two years, and then you go, well, didn't we buy that stuff? And then you can't find it because you, or you, it's, it's too hot in the garage, I'm not going to go look for it. So you go buy it again, and then you start going through the stuff, and you're like, how many times did we buy the same thing that we already had? Because you just were too lazy or, you know, whatever justification for not going in the attic or not going in the garage. And now we've even gotten to the point where we've, we have another storage facility just for a lot of that stuff. So I have absolutely no idea what's there. And there might be things that I'm buying now that I have a case of in the storage. You know what I think is interesting? I think once you label something stuff, that that means it doesn't have any value. Do you have anything yeah. that's very valuable that you call stuff? Mm-mm. It's like my computer, my phone. Right. <laughs> and then my stuff. <laughs> my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... um. In our house, the only thing that I have that's, like, excessive are books. Mm. And I want to get rid of them. Um, But I feel like I have no place to put them. I have no one to give them to or no place to dispose of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be careful in what I select to keep. And even if I, you know, dispose of however many of them, there's still a lot that are lost. 
I'm sure there's multiple avenues, but I just heard somebody yesterday, they donate their books to the VA because they said, you know, sometimes they don't have a lot of different reading material around and they love, you know, getting stuff in there. There's a VA hospital right by us. There you we, have it. We took them to um, a retirement home and, oh, they, that's cool. and they were picky about it because they wanted um, <laughs> only hardbacks, only large print so that's not really something that we have lightly used kind of stuff yeah. versus Ooh, yeah. large print yeah that's a big one so one of the things that Aurelia is getting mixed messages on is the idea of value how to mm. assess value mm. and um, from one side there is no sort of value as a sorting concept. And from my side, I have, even, even, even if I want something, I don't get it. Because then I know it's going to be a part of my life that eventually I'm not going to want this thing anymore and mm -hmm. it's just going to be sitting around. Yeah. So where's the origin of, of value? The value? I guess it has to be something that um, benefits what you value, right? So books right I don't even of all of us I read the most I never want to buy a book mm. I always go to, to, to the library mm. and Aurelia maybe it's because her age like when she wants to read she wants to buy the books mm. so she has um, just a lot of series of books that she'll read some I don't know if she reads the whole series but she likes the idea of, of having the book as like an object mm -hmm. available to mm -hmm. her. Yeah, so, so where's the line between value and buying? So there's like so many things you really don't have to buy. Yeah, I don't buy anything. Yeah. You know, like I buy clothes when necessary. I buy mm -hmm. running shoes and I buy food. So what's your conversation about value? Like how are you having that conversation? Like what is value and well, when I'm when I'm really there, I just say, you know, something. This is the cost. Is the is the cost important to me? I mean, like, and for instance, I will. Um, her grandmother, especially, will only buy the most expensive version of something. So, so she is thought taught to think that, you know, price is an indicator of value. If the price is high, and I'm always looking for a substitute that you know gets to the essence and not the, the right. Uh, so, do you value how long something lasts? Like, so, and I'm not saying it has to be expensive to last long, but what are some of the things that you value about what you value? <clears throat> like, I, I have some things that have incredible longevity, so they're not super expensive, but I don't. Um, because they last so long, you know, I end up buying more of those type of things because I've had them for 20 years or something like that. So I guess I sort of value well-made things or, you know, at least when it comes to like active clothes. Well, like my clothing, and this is funny because I have clothing from the nineties, you know, and I have clothing, especially like suits and things like that mm -hmm. where 
since the style is sort of, you know, lasting, and since I haven't gained a lot of weight, this stuff still fits, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. I can wear it as much as I want. Like, I have, I mean, some of my favorite things I wear are the oldest things I have, and there's no reason to get rid of them. Right. You sell value, right? Yeah, <clears throat> and we do, we're fortunate to be somebody that doesn't have a, tick, a price tag based off of perception, because um, we're not a marketing company, but I think Chris is right, there's a lot of high price ticket items that exist out there that is just more about the cachet of the brand than it is about the quality of the product that they make. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, we actually do the opposite. We'll, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, one of the downfalls of some of our accounts is that they want our stuff to break more frequently because then their customers would come back. Mm -hmm. It's almost like as we try to sell them on this, well, this stuff will last for 20 years and there's the value, which is a very European concept. You know, we're living in America where the, the capitalistic, you know, business owner wants that customer to come back every seven to 10 years. So sometimes selling our product in that environment is not good for their business. It's, so. it's interesting because I think there's like a um, experience that goes along with value, right? So yeah. you can read a label, but if you have an experience with something, you know, next time you either buy or don't buy, your value for that thing goes up or down. Like some things you lose and you practically have a new one before that thing's gone because yeah. you know it's going. Some things go and you never buy them again, which means you didn't really find the value in them, right? Because you didn't mm -hmm. repurchase that item or... And I think that I, I, I haven't really, I don't buy much, many things. Like um, I spend most of my money on experiences. I have many things, but it's because my kids or my wife buy those things for me. I don't buy, I don't buy my own clothes. I, I literally buy almost nothing. And simply because I don't value stuff at all. And it's just stuff that I'm gonna use and it's gonna be thrown away and I'm gonna use it as long as I can until it wears out and you know but there really isn't any uh, anything that I buy that has a, that that I want to have as stuff um, do, do you phantom shop like do you look at things see what they're like you know shop around and then just say I don't feel like buying it or you just don't even look at stuff the only thing I've done that with is um, but is surfboards it's the only yeah. thing I've done that with yeah. um, and past that it's it's like either I need a new piece of equipment you know, or a new wetsuit or something, or I don't. If I don't, I don't shop for it. I don't even look at it. If I do, then then I'm actually, then I'm waiting. Then I'll go, okay, I'll suffer mm -hmm. for three months. You know, like I could go get a spring suit today, but actually waiting until like November is the better deal, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd rather wait and even suffer a month of being cold, mm -hmm. you know, to just be like, oh, I'll just wait till well, it's That's interesting sale. how patience relates to value, right? So if you get an item, and you know it's going on sale, and you actually have the patience to wait. Mm -hmm. That item has like more value because oh, yeah, for sure. you got a deal on. You know, so like patience and value have a relationship too. You know, it's yeah. like well, we have, we have a fun. right. How long you have to save up is a patience thing, yeah. and then you get it, and you're like, oh man, it took me two, three years to get this. Yes. See, to me, it's like not even delayed satisfaction. It's more like um, being very particular about what I want. Yeah, and. We have examples in our house that have caused, um, you know, anxiety, brawl, 
else, you know. Like, for instance, when we moved in, um, our kitchen is a little tricky to, you know, plan and fit things in. And I had this idea, and Christina agreed. And the idea took a lot of thought. Like, you could rush in and, like, screw it up, or you could wait until you got the exactly what you wanted. Mm-hmm. She's more of the Russian and, you know, so part of what it was, was we were going to get um, a bench or what we actually got was a, a pew from, from, from a church and we were going to like cut it in a way that it would be like an L shape. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I had this idea and I was researching, you know, here here I am, I'm like researching used church furniture mm-hmm. with the idea of like getting something for free, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to wait, you know, until I found exactly what I wanted, right? So I come home uh, one night and there's this huge pew in the house, <laughs> which I didn't want this one. You know, and it doesn't work with exactly what I wanted to do, so we just, it's still in our house, and the kitchen thing just never happened. <laughs> well, I also have value on time a little bit more than I do stuff, because we're, you know, for me, there's a, some level of point of diminishing returns where it's like, how much more research can you do? Mm-hmm. And that's probably, I, I don't argue with, with Jesse too much about that type of stuff anymore, like... You know, I can't even tell you how many pairs of shoes Jesse owns, and I don't even want to know. And I'm, I'm not, I don't fight, I don't fight that battle. Like if she wants another pair of shoes, fine. I, I, I don't, I don't care. But um, what I do, what does frustrate me, is like she wants to get something really, you know, sentimental for her brother and his sister-in-law for their anniversary. But it's, it's like a thirty, fifty dollar thing, whatever it is, and she's spending probably a day, probably when it's all said and done. A day figuring this out and I'm like it's a $50 item that you're wasting a day on I can't even wrap my mind around that like for me I would have been like yep that's that's pretty much what I was looking for tick tick done in 20 minutes I'm off and running and now I'm not saying I'm right but I, it is how I value time in a way that I'm not that she just values the thing more than the time well I think it's when I was you were saying that I was thinking of like real little kids and it's almost like that analogy at Christmas where they play with the wrapper, wrapper or the bubble paper right. or the box instead right. of the gift. Like it's just whatever brings the most enjoyment mm-hmm. and happiness is where the value is. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that's a good point though, but to me there's nothing more valuable than time. Right. Time, but now I feel like I'm wasting time. I, I get very aggravated. Mm-hmm. And that is difference of opinion I'm like I cannot waste time I, I, I can when so I what is time, wasting time burn. like waiting to do something like waiting around to get something what's time. wasting time wasted time is waiting wasted time is um doing something inefficiently mm-hmm. wasting time is um other people encouraging you to participate in their waste of time. <laughs> that's a big one. That's yeah. for me. That's yeah. the one that I've gotten really good at being. I don't. I don't mess around with 
with other people's wasted time. If I don't want That's to do it, yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm not doing it. Um, the only exception is the family. I mean, the only real exception is going to be, oh, you know, I don't really want to go walk around the mall or whatever you know in my view is wasted time but if that's what they want to do and that's what we're doing then i'll do it but past that it's it's really not happening yeah well when we travel there's a lot of i mean because of Aurelia, you know you have to make sure that she gets in her mm-hmm. stuff but the amount of like shopping Mm-hmm. For like trinkets mm-hmm. causes a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So when we were just in in Mexico, our last day in 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 this town, Christina said, "All right, we're we're, we're going to do this, and then you are on your own." So I was amazed that when I was on my own, I I wasn't really amazed, but how quickly I could move on my own and efficiently and like do things that I um, wanted to do and then I met them at a certain point and I had a good day yeah but it's like when I met them there were still a few things that even like Christina wanted to do with me and it's like right you know just fighting with Aurelia and the thing was, the thing at the end, the last thing we did was probably the most interesting thing. But I think things are, you know, the situation became out of balance because Aurelia is a little too empowered. Mm. You know? Yeah. She's a little too empowered by certain influences, <laughs> you know? Yeah, getting that balance right is not easy. Yeah, you're right. That's that's a tough balance for sure. Um, we we were fortunate. We sort of started to stick with coffee mugs as being the the agreed upon thing. So we don't. If, so there's generally one thing that will that will decide on, and then whatever other freaking trick and you want to get, I don't care. Don't get me involved. It's in funny. We're Christmas ornaments and magnets. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think that's like <laughs> by having that specific thing it avoids you know fights just it's like which coffee mug should that's I get that's fun you know and it's like yeah, yeah that's it but have you ever pulled one down and like like have value in that tradition that like you pull one down and it triggers something or um, are they all stored away or no 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 we we, we, we use them, them all, all or? we use them all you know <laughs> I mean if they're all um, in there as far as you know we, we don't you know, tuck them away as yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. priceless things. They're not up on a shelf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, see, I'm always afraid to drink out of those things, though. Yeah, I, I assume that the Chinese are like giving me some form of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> they might be, but unfortunately, so is the rest of the stuff we're eating. I'm sure. Um, anything on time or how you spend it? Because I thought what was interesting about time is we all really get the, the an equal amount, so there's really the same value there. But um, I guess knowing how you want to spend it, you know, means do you get, and there's no numbers to it, but do you get a 10 of value out of an hour or a 5 of value out of an hour based on how you're filling it, you know, and, and doing what? But I, I think that, 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 that it's a tricky um, and a slippery slope because 
sometimes everyone gets the, into this mode, and I'm guilty of this a lot, which is like <laughs> this: this the more things you do defines mm-hmm. defines that you are productive. When the reality is, is, there are times when just doing nothing as is equally as valuable because you just need that time to do nothing. So being present again and being in the moment right. really gives time its greatest value. Versus, because I, I'm sitting around ticking boxes because that's more important. Now there's value to that too. Right. But sometimes we that becomes the the thing that we focus on. And wow, I got 30 things done, so I, I feel like I filled up my time. Yeah. But you didn't necessarily you weren't either present or you weren't enjoying that time. So. Uh, it, it and I and I had to learn that lesson, you know, talking about doing things with time that you don't really want to do. I, it took me a long time, you know, to, to enjoy the things yeah. with the kids when they when they were younger, when it was like their stuff, and you you know, like you said, their power to you empower them right in a way that they kind of control your life. Um, and you know, it took me a long time to be like, all right, I'm going to be present in the moment and enjoy this with them because. I didn't really want to go to Disney World, like personally, yeah. but <laughs> but what, the minute that I, I let go of that yeah. and said, okay, how can I be in the moment with them? I started to enjoy it in a way, you know, because I it was what it was. It wasn't that I didn't want to be at Disney World with them. It's that I didn't want to deal with the rest of the stuff around Disney World, the other people, the lines, all that stuff. So I focused on that instead of being present with them. And when I made that switch, yeah. then time became more valuable in that, and even though in those settings that I don't want to be in. I always feel like my time is being manipulated by others, which makes me want to harm people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, for instance, Christina and Aurelia were in Florida last month in Sea World, and how these people. You know, there are people who always look for ways to fill their time instead of like going and finding something that's mm-hmm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. So we somehow ended up with this family membership in SeaWorld, which to me is like, I would rather hurt myself than like go to SeaWorld more than once. Yeah. You know? So now I have to go back in a few weeks. You're slave to the membership now, right? Yeah. We gotta go. We have yeah. time. We gotta go. We bought the membership. So, <laughs> you know, of course, they say, oh, Dad, there's a beer fest at SeaWorld. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't care. Right. <laughs> you know? And so now I have to go. And what really bothers me is that, you know, this thing is like a one-day event and, and, it, and it has to turn into a five-day trip. And, um, all of the things that I would have done since O'Reilly said, Dad, there's a beer fest, I have to give in and like give up a big part of my life. Now, do you ever turn the corner and say, all right, how can I make this amazing for everyone? Or are you always like... Well, what we were talking about yesterday, either I want to be alone or I need to be surrounded by like a lot of people, a lot of, you know... I can open myself up to other people being around and like contributing to my life experience. What what I don't like, and this is, you know, we talk about a lot, is I don't like giving up my autonomy and, and living in someone else's controlled environment, which to me is like the definition of hell. 
Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when we go to visit her family, there's never anybody else around. Like, mm-hmm. in my family, you never knew who was going to walk through, 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 through the door. You know, it, it could have been one of hundreds of people, or it could have been like a lot of people coming in. Right. There, the environment is to keep people out and to focus inward. I'm like, when I focus inward, I have to be alone. I'm right. not interested in focusing in other people's inwards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. It's, uh, it's not good. It's not good for me. It took me a while with the, with the in-laws, only simply because obviously there's some language barrier issues at times with certain members. Um, but it's funny how, like, when you when you decide to let go of not, not fear but just sort of that like you just get to that place like who gives a crap you know um, how much more fun it becomes and now you know now when I come you know there's like all these people that I might have met once or twice that because we had fun like over this past New Year's for example um, you know of course I was the one token white guy who's out there dancing all this Spanish music and you know, they never really saw me in that environment before. I mean, my kids saw me that way. Well, you know, you guys have seen me that way, but they've never seen me. So then, the next morning, they were like, hey, you, "You're coming next year, right?" Like, you know, I was part of the entertainment, and uh, and so, you know, this different relationships develop when you kind of let go and say, "Hey, I'm gonna be more of myself in front of these people," versus try to find on my own little niche within this world that. You know, but they're very outward, almost sort of overwhelming. Like it's, you know, I'm hugging and kissing people I don't even know, and you know, and and I'm not a huge fan of that. But um, but I also, what am I gonna fight? I'm not gonna fight it. So you know, it's uh, it, it's funny how you it becomes comes down to some of the other conversations where it's just like sometimes it's just better to lean into it versus fighting against it, mm-hmm. and you can have a good experience. I don't want to have that experience all the time. You know, once or twice a year, uh, going to see you know her family and doing things like that are, are fun. But you know, um, I wouldn't want to do it all the time, which is why we don't spend a lot of time with them. It's it is overwhelming, and uh, I think you know, to your point earlier this morning about how much quieter it is versus at home. Part of the difference is that Jessie's changed, and she's she no longer you know misses the noise. She's when we go there, and now she hears the same noise that I hear, which before she didn't hear that. So um, she's sort of changed her way that she sees the world, and it's like it doesn't need to be this loud. Like, why is it that? Why are we? In, there's three people in this house. Why is it this loud? Like when you why notice that, like the TV's up, yeah. and you end up having to lower it like 15 numbers. You're like, how did it get like that? Yeah, because <laughs> because everyone's talking over the TV, and then you turn the TV up to talk yeah. to get over the yeah. talk, and it just keeps ramping up. Yeah. Like what? What is going on? It is nice to come down, though, isn't it? It's like you right. can almost feel that pressure oh, yeah. come off exactly. you when everything right. just like. I mean, Latin people love a lot of noise. <laughs> they do. They're so loud. I'm like, I'm like, what this place needs is a mass shooting. You know what I mean? <laughs> but what really wow. improve this place is like somebody really heavily armed and angry. <laughs> the good news is, I guess, is that they're they're having too much fun to do that. Well, um, no, I'll, I'll do it. Or I'll else. <laughs> I guess this is a good lead-in because I was going to do a get-to-know-Chris story. So um, do you want to, should we do another one? Or do you want to finish with like the turkey story or just entertain us with one of your many fun travel stories? 
Uh, Want to do another one or tail it on this I one? I don't either? know if they're entertaining to me. Um, uh, yeah, too many times? No, I mean, the experiences are kind of funny because, um, like, for instance... <laughs> like, for instance? I become so sort of bored and frustrated with domestic life that whenever somebody says something really dumb or a problem that is just so really not a problem mm-hmm. I have to say and Christina is sort of she thinks I'm repeating myself and I am but I'm not repeating myself to repeat myself I'm repeating myself just to be inane mm-hmm. so I say you know something a real problem is when you're you know taken into custody by the Turkish army. Right, right, <laughs> right. Which I have been. You know? <laughs> so when we, you know, one of the things that I liked about being away most recently is how, you know, we're in this great house and it has, you know, gigantic television with global reach and we never turned it on, right? So I'm like, this is like normal, you know? Yeah. As soon as we get home, it's like you fall back into the same mm-hmm. patterns. I'm, I'm like, I can live without this stuff constantly, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that's on in our house a lot are these like uh, home fix-it shows. Mm-hmm. And when I watch these people, what they need, you know, it's it's always what they need, mm-hmm. what they can't live without. It's it, it's ridiculous shit. And the idea of um, how marketers just in, introduce language that is oh, just so stupid for sure so you have all these people who you know I need a bonus room I need this extra undefined space I'm like whatever but you know when I think about when I was you know captured by the Turkish army <laughs> I you needed a few other things well <laughs> I was living in a farmhouse that was made out of mud and um, dung, right? So I'm in this room that, you know, there's no bonus room in this mud and dung <laughs> farmhouse, you know, and I'm living with this family. But the room I'm in is separate. I had my own entrance. So one night I'm getting ready to go to sleep, and I'm in this room by myself, and the front door. It was a one-room space. Sweet. And the front room was a, a wooden door that was probably about five inches thick. So it was like a really heavy door. Mm-hmm. And I'm there, I think it was my first day, might have been my second day on this site. And I hear this unbelievably loud banging on the door and somebody yelling in Turkish which I'm assuming they're saying, let me in, right? <laughs> and the banging continues. And I'm, and I'm looking at the door, and I'm thinking, it's not for me, right? I don't know anybody here, so they couldn't possibly be wanting me to open this door. So finally, the banging gets more extreme and the yelling. And when I open the door, it's um, one Turkish soldier has like a big rifle and he's yelling at me and pointing the rifle at me. And there's his guy in the back in this truck with like a spotlight 
who's like flashing the spotlight in my little house. And I'm thinking, this is not what I was expecting. And I don't know how to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Especially since I'm in like a pair of running shorts, I'm barefoot, I'm wearing a t-shirt. So they take me out of the house and it's sort of, you know, who are you? Why are you here? I'm like, these are big questions. <laughs> How do you answer these questions? <laughs> they didn't have to be. I mean, that was just the way you interpreted them. Um, so, you know, I'm there with the Turkish army by myself and they're like, they want, they're angry. I'm angry Turkish soldiers. And finally, I, you know, I'm in this countryside where at night it's pitch black. Like, you can't even find the pathways, you know. So we finally, I'm marched around. The guy in the truck with the spotlights having on me, the guy with the rifle is walking behind me, and they're like, you have to find somebody to explain why you're here. So I really wasn't that upset by this, you know. It just seemed like an inconvenience, you know, walking around this country with these soldiers. And then, you know, it lasted a while, and then things got straightened out, you know. And I just went back to bed, and everything was fine. And but the next day, um, a general from the Turkish army came to find me and he was very upset that I was um, taken into custody by his his soldiers and he kept apologizing mm. and the more I said it's okay it's like I, ha- I had to sort of forgive him in a formal way <laughs> wow. that I didn't know how to do mm-hmm. you know but the idea was that you know that was sort of a you know when you're in you know other people you know who look for bonus rooms and things yeah. like that, they might have cracked in that situation because, <laughs> you know, where they couldn't even imagine being in that situation where, you know, you're in a Muslim country, you're out in the countryside, you're, you know, you don't speak the language, you're totally out there on, on your own in what might be like a dangerous situation. So I think there's a level of being able to deal with conflict Mm -hmm. or unfulfilled desire. And I think moments in time that you repeat or tell stories brings value to that experience. Like, there are so many experiences that you don't even remember because you didn't value them, no matter how much effort and time and money you put into them. So even though that isn't what somebody would say is I value being arrested by the Turkish army. Sure. There, you know, that's a story that you allow to occupy time in your life over and over again because of, of the value you have for it and the enjoyment I have. Well, it gives, it, it gives you such good perspective on what's real and what's important. It makes all your other time yeah. different. When well, you have moments that make all your other time different, that's adding value to your time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the thing awesome. is, too, is like when the situation was explained, it like revealed something else too because the problem was um, somebody had parked a car outside of the building I was living in. I hadn't parked the car there. And 
you know, in this country, you're free to go as, as, as you please. And sort of the surveillance is so far in the background, you don't even think about it. Right. But in a country like Turkey, even if you travel internally, um, like if you were to travel from state to state here, like there you have to announce your presence. They know when something's out of place. Yeah. Wow. And then... So this car was there, and the car was from a different part of Turkey, and they wanted to know why somebody mm. from a different part of Turkey was mm. staying in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also re- realize that you know Turkey has a, a, a huge army, and, and, at, and at that time, no external enemies. And I'm thinking, all right, so they're always the army is patrolling at mm-hmm. night, like the army is always around. Um, when you don't think they are, but they're there. And the guy whose car it was, was actually, um, not long after that, I knew this guy, and he was murdered, this mm-hmm. guy. And he was, in, he was like a very, um, I guess he was in some, some drug smuggling or something. And the thing is that like, Turkey is like a very violent society. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. historically, yeah, and even now it's like like I would see um, street fights there, you know. I was out one night drinking, and the street fight, like a bar fight, I was like that was the most violent bar fight I've ever seen in my life, yeah. you know. So the violence is always under the surface, you know, ready to express itself. So you know he he was murdered not that not that um, long after that, and the funny thing is that he was where he was killed was this city um, called Afyon, and Afyon means poppy because this area was a big poppy growing mm-hmm. um, region. So drugs are not you know. A welcome part in Turkish society, but the idea that this area is is named after like sure. Poppy and sure, yeah. But it's also a, you know the history of that place. Is there's so much, so much uh, you know historical, you know, f- through traffic <laughs> through Turkey to get everywhere that that's just going to be one of the many things that pass through a country that is you know constantly being passed through in every direction so they feel very um, exposed I would imagine even when they're not yeah you know because um, they've been you know well they themselves don't belong there I mean it's not like right. you know they're native right you know so yeah. alright thanks for listening that was uh, just another little quick excerpt of um, a conversation we had with Chris today. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. Hit play, and we'll catch up soon.